We are at the halfway point now of our breakthrough initiative, our breakthrough here, our commitment to transformation and mission. And as you are well aware, we are uh, asking this church to give $4 million over the next two years to put into motion this commitment to transformation and mission. And I just want to tell you that uh, we're getting there. We're close. I'm, I'm having such good conversations uh, with you and, and the prayers and the, the challenge that you're accepting and just the uh, energy and enthusiasm that, that is building, I think, by God's Holy Spirit uh, to compel us to pursue this vision and this direction for this group of Christians at Golf Course Road. And so I am very thankful for that, and I'm looking forward to October 30th. October 30 is Breakthrough Sunday, and next Sunday, the 16th, we're going to be distributing the pledge cards. And so uh, you can make one big gift on October 30, or you can make a, a two-year commitment, kind of a pledge uh, for 2023 and 2024, or you can give a big gift on October 30 and combine that with a weekly or a monthly pledge. But I just invite all of us, it's going to take all of us together to pray and to plan and to participate in this church's breakthrough to transformation and mission by the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. There's that um, very classic conversation in Alice in Wonderland when Alice is talking to the Cheshire cat. And she says, which way do I go from here? And the cat says, well, it depends on where you want to go. And Alice says, I don't care where, just somewhere. And the cat says, well, then it doesn't matter which way you go. And church, we can't be that way, right? We, we got to do better than that. As children of God and as disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to pay attention, careful attention to where we're going and how we're getting there because it's not automatic. There's an old Jackson Brown song called Running on Empty. Do you know this song? He's singing about being 21 and owning the highway and burning up the road. This road running underneath my wheels, he says. And then later on in the song, what does he say? I don't know when that road turned into the road I'm on. How did I get here? And why am I going this way? As a community of faith at Golf Course Road, we want to pay attention to where we're going and how we're getting there. We want to pay attention to how God is at work in us and through us. And we've got this statement that helps us keep our focus, being changed by God to love like Jesus. You can call this a vision statement, a focus statement. It doesn't matter what you call it, but this is what guides who we are and where we're going and how we're getting there. This statement is about transformation and mission. And the way we pay attention to it, the way we practice it, is with these formation zones. Knowledge, community, Christian practices, and mission. We're going to say them all together again, okay? I want us to own this now, and I want this to become a part of who we are at GCR. So let's say them together. Knowledge, community, Christian practices, mission. That's right. We believe that this is where transformation happens, in these four zones. It's not how we're changed, but this is where we're changed. And as a church, we want to live and we want to worship and we want to serve in these four zones, knowing and expecting that when we do, God will change us and he'll change this church. And by his grace, Lord, he might change our city. 
So we're looking at each of these formation zones one Sunday at a time. And today we have come to Christian practices. We're going to start in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is at Martha's house. You know this story. Martha's running around like a chicken with her head cut off trying to get dinner together. And Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet in a posture of listening and learning. She's at his feet in his presence listening to Jesus, paying attention to Jesus. Martha's unloading the dishwasher. She is stirring the noodles. She's fiddling with the thermostat. Verse 40 says she's distracted. Martha was distracted, it says, by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. This is Martha, right? The road rushing underneath her wheels. And I think Jesus very gently but very, very firmly tells Martha, verse 41, Martha, Martha, you're, you're worried, you're upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Listening, learning, being in my presence, paying attention to me, being in the same room with me. This is the better thing, Jesus says. This is the thing that will last. This past week, when did our God have your total, complete, undivided attention? How many times in this month, maybe this year, if you think about it, how many times have you just sat alone with God? We are a very, very, very busy people. Can I get an amen on that? And it ain't good. It's awful. People who study this kind of thing say there's never, ever been a society as busy as ours with as many appointments to keep and as many uh, obligations to fulfill. There, there's never been any group as busy with all that kind of stuff as ours. Never in history. We're just going, 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 going nonstop. And you know what I'm talking about. And because our lives are so eaten up with all this going and doing, our lives in Christ can also just kind of be another thing to go and do. You know, we go to work, we do laundry, we go to school, we do the project, we go to the store, we do our exercises, we go to church, we, we do our Bible reading. It's just another thing on the list. And our Lord is going, hey, hey, up here, look at me. I'm right here. Pay attention to me. Look at me. Listen to me. Pay attention to me and what I'm trying to do in your life. When we say Christian practices, we're talking mainly about your relationship with the Creator, making yourself available to Him so He can do what both of you want Him to do. A whole lot of this is about your time in the Word and, and in prayer. But it's not just read your Bible more and pray more. It's about being in a place, 
Being in a place, mind, body, spirit, soul, all of you, where you can pay attention to God, where you can be wide open to his work. David Benner, who writes about these things, says, the depth of your spiritual life will only match the capacity you have to pay attention. And so when we say Christian practices, one of the things we're talking about is paying attention to God through the word. In John chapter 5, Jesus tells the religious leaders, you know, you're diligently studying the scriptures, but you're not coming to me. You know the Bible frontwards and backwards. You know all the maps and the concordance in the back. You know every bit of it. You've got it, but you don't have me. You don't know me. And relationship with Christ is the whole point of reading the Bible. Listen, it is very possible to be an expert in the Bible and to not know God. Honestly, a lot of us read our Bibles like we're taking medicine or like we're doing our reps at the gym. You know what I mean? I wonder what would be better for you in a year to have the whole Bible flash in front of your eyes in some kind of a reading program or to have 10 or 12 really deep, significant, meaningful passages become a part of who you are. Which would be better? The words of Scripture were written in a way, and they're intended by God to get inside of us. We've, we've talked about this. that They're written to change us into a people and into a life that fits in with God's creation and with his salvation and with his community of his eternal kingdom. And so we don't always stay bent over the pages and reading. You know, sometimes we, we close our eyes and we lean back and we, we just kind of think about and talk to God about a passage that we've just kept reading over and over and over again. God, what are you telling me here? God, I'm not, I'm not sure I understand what's happening here, but I want to. I want to hear it, God. I want to see what you're trying to show me, Lord. Or, God, I need this. This thing I've read six times this morning, I need this to be a part of my life. Please put this in my blood and in my bones, God. Please make this a part of who I am. See, we need ways to engage the word of God, not just with our brains and our intellect. We need new ways and creative ways, and we need ancient ways to read the word of God with our hearts, with our senses, and with our emotions. We need Dwelling in the word exercises and we need memorizing scripture exercises and imaginative reading. We, we need more creative ways to be present and available to whatever God wants to do with us through the Bible. We need to wrestle with the words. We need to, to pray them. We need to obsess over them. There's, there's nothing passive about this, okay? Christian practices take energy. It takes discipline. And most of it Nobody sees. Christian practices also means paying attention to God in prayer. In Matthew 14, following the execution of John the Baptist, the gospel says, Jesus withdrew privately to a solitary place. A few verses later, it says, Jesus sent his apostles away so he could be by himself and pray. Mark 1 verse 35 says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. 
in the Gospels. We, we see our Lord going to a quiet place for a quiet time with his Father up on a mountain, out in the desert, on the other side of the lake, in a cave, in an olive garden. This was Jesus' habit or his discipline. And then the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he did. He gives us the words. Jesus tells us, you pray this way. And church, I'm telling you, if we will pray the Lord's prayer, it will change us. It will. Trust me. Jesus says, you pray this way. And then he gives us the words to use with the Father. And those first words are, our Father. Listen, that gets inside us. This reminds us, our Father, that our God is not a force. He's not a higher power. He's not an abstract idea. Our God is not an ATM and he's not a crystal ball. And prayer with God is not about saying the right words in the right order so we can get what we want from God. God is not the soup Nazi, amen? He is a person. God is a relational person. And he is our Father. Pray this way, Jesus says. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says, you pray these words to the Father and all of a sudden you're in on it. This isn't just an idea anymore. This is real, hardcore. You're in on it, body and soul, mind and spirit. You're not just a spectator anymore. When you pray, your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. You're, you're not an admirer anymore. You're not an audience anymore. You're in on it. Father, your will be done in Midland, Texas, just as it is in heaven. Your will be done at Golf Course Road Church of Christ, just like it is in heaven. Your will be done in my teenager, Lord, just as it is in heaven. You pray this way, Jesus says. Your will be done on my street. Father, your will be done in my family. God, your will be done at my work. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done in Allen. Just as it is in heaven. Praying this prayer reminds us that our God is working in us and through us, in our homes, in our offices, in our churches, and in our schools, in our prisons, and in our governments, in our cars, and out in the woods. He is at work in and through all the newborn babies at the hospital and all the old dying people at the nursing homes. Our God is at work in us and through us everywhere. And Jesus says, if you'll pray it, now you're in on it. This is real. You can make your own list. You can pray your own names and places. This is legit. We need these kinds of borrowed prayers from Scripture. We need these kinds of borrowed prayers from the saints who've gone before. We need contemplative prayer, and we need conversational prayer. We need all these different ways to pray to God. And most of it, nobody sees. We need these Christian practices. And we talked about this earlier over here in the, in the gathering space during our Bible class time. These kinds of things, these kinds of Christian practices we're talking about, this is not a strong suit for us in churches of Christ. 
This is not an area of strength for us. Traditionally, we've kind of pushed back on some of these things to our own hurt, I would say. But Mark Twain once said, I knew a man who grabbed a cat by the tail and learned 40% more about cats than the man who didn't. So we're going to jump in and just grab this thing. And we're going to learn it. And we're going to live it together. That's a big part of breakthrough. During the, the coming months, we're going to be introducing more of these kinds of disciplines into our Sunday assemblies and into our Bible classes and our small groups. Some of our groups tonight are going to practice some dwelling in the Word uh, exercises with Psalm 23. And I'm telling you, if you're in one of those groups tonight, if you'll just give yourself to this exercise in Psalm 23, I promise you God will say something brand new to you tonight through a psalm that you've heard and read a thousand times. Over the next two years, in 2023 and 2024, we're going to offer 12 what we're calling Christian practice retreats. This is going to be for everybody in our church family. This is a part of breakthrough. And I know this sounds really ambitious when I say it. And I'm looking at all of you, okay? We want every single member of the GCR family to participate in one of these retreats. These are the dates for 2023. These are little 22-hour retreats. They're going to start at 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. They're going to go till 2 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. And we're going to do them at the, the Way Retreat Center right here in Midland. So you're not going to have to drive very far. But what we want is to get 20 or 25 of us together at a time, get out somewhere by ourselves, and just work through some of these Christian practices together and see if we can pay more attention to God and to one another and to what God is doing in us and through us for His glory. And then you notice there's a, there's a couple of these dates, February 18 and November 20, no, November 4. These are in 2023. We're going to do a couple of these retreats right here at the building for young families with little kids. It'll just kind of be a Saturday morning thing from breakfast time to lunch. And we'll, uh, we'll engage the word and we'll engage prayer in a way that's appropriate for these little kids so they can grab it too. And so they can make it a part of themselves. We're going to do the sign-ups for these retreats sometime next month. So just get these dates down and start thinking about them. You can do these retreats with your small group. You can do them with your Bible class. You can grab six people on your pew right now and say, we're doing this together. Or just do it with your family. Or just sign up to make one of these retreats by yourself. And uh, God will transform you. He'll meet you there. And we'll all be changed. We're convinced that this is one of the places where God works in these Christian practices. And so we're going to learn it, we're going to live it together. And when we jump into these things, again, we feel like God's going to transform us. He's going to make us more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3 says, We all reflect the Lord's glory, and we're being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I want you to think about these Christian practices like a candle. We're talking about disciplines, right? Not flashy, not loud, maybe not even that exciting at first. Think about it like a candle. A candle's not loud, it's not flashy. A candle is certainly not a match. Lighting a match, that's exciting. When's the last time you lit a match? We've all got those little clicker things now. Remember how cool it is to light a match? I mean, with a match, you light a match, 
man, you get this, yeah, you get a spark, you get a flame, you get smoke, you get that smell. And if you do it too close, you get some shrapnel, you know? I mean, it's, wow, that's, that's pretty cool, lighting a match. Lighting a match is exciting. It's uh, thrilling. It's, man, there's a lot going on there with your senses when you light a match. And I love lighting matches. And lighting matches is good, right? Lighting a match can be like a, a mountaintop experience, an, an amazing worship experience, a, a conference somewhere, a great mission trip. A, you know, we have these mountaintop experiences where we feel really close to the Lord. Christian practices are not lighting a match. But what if those lighting a match experiences were used to light the candle of Christian practice. Christian practice might not be as flashy or as exciting or as loud as lighting a match, but a Christian practice might be more beautiful. It might be more evocative. It's certainly longer lasting. Think about Christian practices like a candle, not a match. Now, shift gears here for about seven or eight minutes, okay? I'm telling you, if we will engage in these Christian practices, I promise you, your relationship with the Lord is going to come into sharp focus, kind of where you are with God. Sometimes that's really good, and sometimes that revelation is not that good. Because if you'll give yourself to the Christian practices we're talking about, your sin before God is going to come into sharp focus. I'm telling you firsthand, that's what happens. There's no hiding it when you're in that place, paying that close attention to what God's doing. It just brings out the honest truth. And we need to do that. There's no hiding it when you're in that place with God. You know, Jesus talks about spiritual practices and, and Christian disciplines in the Sermon on the Mount. He hits a lot of them, right? Matthew 6, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to people that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We've talked a lot this morning about the things people can't see. Listen, there's nothing God doesn't see. God sees Everything. He sees it all. And now it's a little uncomfortable in here. And that's okay. It needs to be uncomfortable for a couple of minutes. Sin creates a barrier between you and God. And I'm not talking about the occasional stumble, okay? I'm talking about unaddressed, unconfessed sin. It will shut down communication between you and God. And so these Christian practices we're talking about, they don't do any good. Isaiah 59 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. 
Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Do you remember that old church song about the all-seeing eye? Do you remember that? What a creepy, weird song that is. That's a scary song, really. If you think about it, God is this all-seeing eye. That's what the song was about. I, I think somebody wrote that song to keep church people from checking their fantasy football scores during the sermon. That's what I think that song is all about. But, but this song is about God being this all-seeing eye, and it created this awful, terrible picture of our God as some arbitrary, angry ogre up in the sky who just can't wait to nail you. Can't wait to catch you doing something wrong and then grab you by the scruff of the neck and throw you out of here. Maybe even destroy you. And yes, our God sees everything, okay? He sees all the really good things you do. He sees it. He also sees the not so good things that you do. He sees it. He knows. He sees all of it. God sees everything. Which means, listen to me, he also sees everything behind your sin. He sees everything beneath your sin. He sees everything around your sin and beyond your sin and above your sin. He sees the pain that causes you to sin. He sees that. He sees those scars. He sees the hurt. He sees the pain. He knows, okay? God doesn't just want you to stop sinning. He wants to heal you. He wants to make you whole. He wants to get to the pain that drives you to that website. He wants to fix the hurt that causes you to lie. God wants to cleanse the wounds that push you to anger or stealing or addiction or gossip. God loves you. He does. And he so badly wants to transform you. He wants to make you whole. Now, if you could write something down on a piece of paper, something that right now is in the way between you and God and your relationship in Christ, if you could write a sin that, that this morning you could somehow just bring it to the cross of Christ knowing that you would be forgiven of that sin if you confessed it to the Lord, or if just an attitude in your life, just anything going on, a burden that you're carrying, if there were anything you could just write down on a piece of paper and give it to the Lord today, knowing that he would fix it and make it right and transform it and you, what would that be? What would you write? Christian practice is about being in a place with God where you can pay attention to what he's doing. And as we commit to these disciplines today, as we look at that word and prayer guide in the middle of our Bibles, as we explore Psalm 23 tonight, as we commit to transformation and mission as a church family, it seems like it's probably a really good idea to engage another spiritual practice of confession. Confession. So we can be in that place with the Lord. Psalm 32 says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. 
through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And then, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Is there anything wrong in your life that's keeping you from a transforming relationship with God? Is there an attitude that needs forgiving? Is there a, a sin that needs to be washed away? What's getting in the way between you and God that you can finally let go of, that you can give to him? I don't know about you, but I've got some things. Um, arrogance. My arrogance. Sometimes I can come across to people like I know everything and I've got all the answers. Sometimes it's because I do think I know everything and I've got all the answers. And I can be stubborn and I can be unyielding. And that is not like my Lord. God have mercy on me. Argumentative. Oh boy. Um, I like to argue because I like to be right. And I'll argue almost anything with anybody to prove I'm right. And I've hurt people I love because I'm so argumentative. And I've put distance between me and people I love because I like to argue. Lord, have mercy on me. And um, I've been carrying a grudge for about two years now. Um, I was hurt. I feel like I was done wrong. And I have not forgiven it. I haven't even prayed for them. I have not let it go. And so I've not been able to move forward. And today I'm letting it go. You are my witnesses and God, my Lord, my Savior is as my witness. I'm letting it go today and I'm forgiving and I'm moving forward. Now, I could fill this cross up, but I want to leave some room for you. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read Psalm 32. And then we're going to sit here in, in silence before our God for about 60 seconds. It'll feel like an eternity. And then we're going to sing some songs about surrendering to God, about giving everything to the Lord, about trusting that he's going to forgive and that he's going to restore and that he's going to fix things in our lives that are wrong. We're going to sing those songs. And while we're singing those songs, you've got the sticky notes and you've got the pens. There's some on this table. There's a ton of them in the seats. I would invite you to bring that to the cross of Christ this morning. Just stick it up there. Don't put your name on it, but the sin, the attitude, the thing you need to confess, let's get that right with God today, and then let's jump into the spiritual practices together tonight. Does that sound like a good thing to do?
All right, I would just invite you to participate in that. Now I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to read from Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. You will surround me with songs of deliverance. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. 